Welcome, and thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. James 5, 7 through 20. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who show endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job. (laughs) And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my beloved, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning. Um, uh, Chaplain or Pastor Robinson, I just so just introduce do a little introduction. I'm from the Pacific Northwest Conference of the United Methodist Church, but currently I serve as a Navy chaplain at Arlington National Cemetery. So I just that's who I am, and that's just a little bit of an induction. So first of all, I just want to say good morning, and first 
I want to thank you for this opportunity for me to be able to bring this message to you today. As I mentioned, I'm a chaplain at Arlington National Cemetery, and I don't get many opportunities to actually get up and to preach anymore. My sermons are to conduct funeral services, which doing that every day can be a little bit depressing, but also it, it's, it's good because I get to work with the families. But I just want to let you know this morning what a great opportunity to be able to be with here. This is great for my soul to be able to get up and preach with you today. It's been since November since I've had an opportunity to preach, so this is good for my soul. So thank you, God, for this, and let us pray. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day. As we continue to explore the book of James, may the Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to the words of James. May be we willing, as followers of your word today, May the words of the mouth, my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Redeemer. Amen. And I'm going to do something I know like congregations don't like. I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation today. Not much. It's not going to be hurtful, I, I, I swear. What I need you to do right now is turn to the person to your left, to the person to your right, the person behind you, in front of you, and tell them that they are a beloved child of God. We need to be reminded of this constantly, that we are beloved children of God. So now let's jump into this message. Over the last nine weeks, Pastor Michelle, along with the other pastor, Dirk, it's kind of amazing we have two Dirks in our congregation, have been speaking on the passage of James. And we've learned over the past eight weeks that James will push us in our understanding of our faith. The book of James also, if you didn't know, is a controversial book. Dr. Martin Luther, better known as the father of the uh, Protestant Reformation, was not a fan of this book. He felt that it should be, shouldn't be in the canon or in the Bible. Luther's main focus on him, on his theology, was faith alone. But as we've learned from Pastor Dirk and Pastor Michelle a few weeks ago, James was very clear in saying that faith without works is dead. I guess my theology leans more towards James as well that works without faith, what is good, what is, if our, what is good if our faith isn't out there and we're not working our faith? Now, don't get me wrong. Our faith is in a foundation and is essential to our growth with God. But if we stop with just faith, then what good is our faith? Anyway, this is a whole different sermon. I'm going to stop going down this rabbit hole and focus on the text which we have today, which is out of James. Uh, chapter 5, 20, or 7 through 20. And it's the conclusion of this epistle. In this passage, we will be focusing on three different areas of adulting our faith. Today's lesson is about weight up. This passage has a lot of advice and a lot of skills that we need to focus on in our walk with Christ. Now, I'm going to make my professor, my professor, preaching professor very happy. I'm going to use a three-point sermon, which is not using my style. Michelle said this a, lot, a couple weeks ago as well, but James makes it so easy to use a three-point sermon. So what we're going to be looking at today in this last chapter is patience and suffering. That's one. Truthfulness and waiting on God in community. I know this sounds like a lot, but trust me, we will make it through it, and hopefully at the end we have learned something at the same time. 
First, let's start with patience. We live in a society today that we want instant gratification. If we want something, we go on Amazon and order it, and it arrives either the same day or the next day. I don't know about you, I remember as a child getting the Sears or J.C. Penney's catalog, and you would order something, and it would take up to four to six weeks if you're lucky. <laughs> and who has time to wait for that today? That's a part of what James is talking about, is waiting. Who here likes the, uh, the traffic in the D.C. area? Anyone? <laughs> what I've learned over the last two years in the traffic here will teach you a lot about patience. Not only with time, but also with people. During my drive into Arlington every day, my patience and sanity is tested. I would love to stand up here and say I'm the patient driver and that I just cruise along into work with the patience of a saint. Well, that would not be true. Most mornings I'm yelling at other drivers and grumbling about the delays and getting frustrated. So what does James say about this? <sighs> Don't grumble <laughs> against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. I'm guilty. James also writes about farmers waiting for the land to yield crops, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. I truly didn't really understand this passage before my first church, which was in Davenport, Washington, which is located in eastern Washington, not in rainy Seattle. I've learned a lot on how farmers need to be patient. They grow their crops and they patiently wait for their crops to grow. They don't take the summers off and hope that the crops will grow on their own. No, they work hard being up early in the morning and late at night, maintaining the fields and hope for a plentiful crop. They must be patient for the rain to come. And if the rain doesn't come, their crops won't be watered and they won't have an income to provide for their family. But if the rain comes too early, the same effect can come. What I've learned from working with these individuals is that it takes a lot of strength and a lot of prayer and a lot of faith in the Lord. Because there's times when the rains don't come. Or when the crop is, is right when it needs to harvest and the rain will come and the crops are ruined. But I also witnessed in the four years that, that I've ministered to this congregation that I, well, I already said their faith is strong. And God provides them what they need to survive. They understand that the rain will come, not in our time, but in God's time. The fact that the rain does come is a sign that God is near. And the land, then God has provided. God provides the land, the rain, the land, and the crops. We must stay patient as we wait for Christ's return. And like the farmer in the field, much work is needed. We must continue to work the fields until God's kingdom is in God's kingdom in the here and now. So how does that apply to us who live in the DMV? It's a different situation than what we have with farmers in eastern Washington. We don't rely on the rain or nature for the most part to provide us with our income. These farmers know all about patience and perseverance. They understand that God is passion and mercy. We can do the same here. It's being patient while sitting in traffic and showing compassion to others that we work with. We see this at Kingstown Communion every Sunday when we go out and we be the hands and feet of God in our community. 
But more importantly, it's remembering how God has blessed us with an abundance amounts of resources for, for our families. But we must stay patient and firm in the faith of God. James also talks about suffering. I know most of us don't like the thought of suffering or pain, which goes along with our faith walk. Charles Spurgeon, a pastor in England in the 1800s, stated, the greatest blessing God can give us is sickness or suffering. From my experience in the church, this is a contrast to what we hear today. A lot of churches preach that illness and suffering are a sign of a lack of faith. I love that James brings in Job at this point, the one who was tested on his faith, lost and suffered because he refused to blame God for all that was happening around him. And friends even begged him to blame God, but Job remained faithful. Now I'm going to break one of my rules of my professor that taught sermons. Over the last two, I've found myself in a difficult situation. Unlike Job, I've lost my faith at times. I've been suffering spiritually, physically, and mentally. It's been almost two years since I left the pulpit and joined the Navy to be a full-time chaplain. I believe this change was what God wanted me, or more telling, I thought this was what I wanted. I did not take into account the impact of what the decision would have on myself and my family. I neglected to do my research on how the Navy operated and how the Navy chaplaincy worked with, the, with my theological stance. I'll spare you the full details of what all has taken place. What I will tell you is that I have suffered. I have grumbled and at times said things to God and to others that I shouldn't have. I've been very angry, frustrated, and depressed at points where I had to seek out help for my mental health. Anyone who works in the helping field knows seeking help for yourself is very hard to do. I found myself in a situation where I felt like I was sinking in a hole of no return. I would like to report that I was like Job when I stood strong in my faith with God. Once again, nope. I blame God for letting me join the Navy and leaving my congregation and my church behind. I got angry at God in my situation that, and I, that I hated. I totally was unlike Job and, and how Job had done. Then I remembered as a pastor what I would always state to my congregations is that our valley experience is where, is where we learn the most about ourselves, but more importantly about God. It's also the place where we least want to be. We love the mountaintop experiences. I know I do. The mountaintop experience makes us feel great about ourselves, but unfortunately we cannot stay at the top of the mountain. We can't stay in these, ex in ex in these experiences because our growth happens in the valley. I've been reminded lately that, that as I go through this difficult time, God walks through me, through, God walks with me through these valleys. I'm reminded of the, foot, the, the poem, Footsteps in the Sand. I'm also reminded of Jeremiah 5.11, where God immediately responded, I will take care of you. I'm going to repeat that. God immediately responded, I will take care of you. What a beautiful reminder of what God has done and how God walks through us, with us, through our suffering. Now let's turn to truthfulness, but not DC style. Honestly, heavenly style. This will be short, I promise. Pastor Michelle 
preached about this a few weeks ago, so I won't go into too much detail on what James talked about. But in verse 12 states, Do not swear, not by heaven or earth, by anything, or anything. All you need to say is simply a yes or a no. Jeez, if it only was that easy. To be honest, I believe it can be. But the world we live in today has become so complicated that this, that this is not always possible. The days of a handshake are unfortunately long gone, replaced with stacks of legal paperwork. I believe as Christians, we can still live with our yeses and nos. This means we must speak the truth and let our yeses be yes and our nos be no. Speaking the truth in love. Letting our yes be yes and our nos be nos. We can be a source of, of healing for the sin-sick souls that are looking to know who Christ is. But we must be truth-tellers as we do that. Finally, our last section. So let's move back to today's text. James states, is anyone, any among, is any among, anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs as a praise. Brett, you do that all the time. Is anyone among you sick? Let the elders of the church pray to you and them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. My question, it's theoretical, rhetorical. How often do you turn to pray, prayer in your time of troubles? Happiness or despair? James, throughout his book, emphasizes the importance of prayer. I like to say prayer is our most important and useful tool that we can use. As we pray, it's a great reminder that God is near. A big question people have asked me before in my congregations, do, does God, do my prayers change God? Well, the answer is I don't know, but they do change me and my experiences with God. Our prayers reflect our dependency on God and our interdependency with God's creation. James emphasizes prayer, prayers need to be done at all times, not just in times of need, but also in the time of happiness. James expands on the type of prayer that is also very important. This is communal prayer. Communal prayer is, also, is a vital prayer, is part of our prior, vital prayer life. But in today's church, we've kind of abandoned this practice to just individual prayers. From what I'm reading in the Bible, communal prayers have been the capacity to change our relationship with each other and with God. But for community Communal prayers to be effective, we must be willing to be honest and vulnerable with each other, which is difficult. Prayers can heal individuals and communities if we're honest and truth-telling between us. While we pray, we, we have to wait on the early and late rains. We can continue to know God that is near, that God is near and always there with us. To tell the truth, prayer for each other forgives one another and does and do this and you may be healed. As I wrap up my message, I want to leave you with an image. So if you're comfortable, I'm going to ask you to participate one more time. This, if, you, if you feel comfortable, please close your eyes. And imagine a roaring fire with hot coals that are perfect for roasting marshmallows. Now, imagine one of these coals being moved away from the fire. What happens to this coal? It starts to lose its heat from the fire. It starts to die. 
This call is an example of those who leave or get lost or away from a community of believers. Now imagine what happens when that coal is returned to the fire. It regains its heat that was lost. You may open your eyes again. To be honest, lately I've been that coal that was away from the fire. It's not a great place to be. That's one reason I return every Sunday to Kingstown Communion and this community to help reunite that, that flame and that fire that I need to, to make it through my week. But more importantly, to be with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray this will happen as you, to you as well as you come each Sunday. As we wrap up for the Upworks sermon series, there is one next week, but online, I hope that you take to heart the words that James spoke but in, and put into practice the lessons that have been taught over the last nine weeks. May God bless you and keep you. And may you as a community continue to be blessed and keep each other close to the flame. In the name of the risen Christ, amen. And actually before I end, I'm going to ask for a communal prayer today. Um, I got word this morning that I have to go down to a family and notify a family that their loved one has died. Not one of the jobs that I like as a chaplain. But I, as soon as this service is over, I'm going to be out the door and heading I can't say where I'm heading, but um, not only prayers for me, but prayers for this young, young man that has passed away. And, he, and a, he has a wife that's eight months pregnant. So continue to pray for this family as um, they go through this terrible time. And that's a part of our communal prayer. So thank you. Loving God, when you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst, all the waiting of every living thing. And so we look to you today, trusting in your love and your abundance and your goodness. You once fed the hungry crowds with five loaves and two small fish. And so today we ask that you would again fill all those who are empty, pour out your spirit on all who hunger and thirst. We pray for those who are physically hungry, whose stomachs are empty, and those who have lost house and home or any sense of normalcy. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, pour out your spirit so that they may be filled. We pray for those who are empty emotionally, who are lonely and long for companionship and love, who are caught in the grip of depression or overwhelmed with grief. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, pour out your spirit so that they may be filled. We pray for those who are spiritually empty, who are troubled but don't know why or where to turn, who long for purpose and meaning but don't know where to look, who need you, who need the church but do not let yet know you. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, Pour out your spirit so that they may be filled. And God, we praise you for your abundant gifts in our lives. Pour out your spirit on us as well. Fill us with your compassion and love so that we would willingly share some of our abundance of food, 
of friendship, of faith with those who are in need. Lord, in your mercy, open your hand, pour out your spirit so that we may be filled. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.